how do you become expert at something? You become expert at something by practicing it. Mm -hmm. It's like I say to my kids, add the word yet. So if my son says like, oh, I'm not good at, you know, backhand slice, I'll say yet. I'm not great at packaging a Series A DL story yet. On today's Demo Day segment, Anna Barber analyzes the best qualities of Techstars in M13 and differentiates pre-seed, seed, and Series A investments. She also shares amazing advice on the game of investing and how the macro is more of a psychological effect rather than a real effect in the VC world. What were you hoping to find in your next opportunity? Like, was there some, cause like after you've been with uh, startups at a certain stage and you've gone through this process so many times, was there something that like you wanted more of that you weren't getting? Well, I'll tell you what the appealing thing was about the opportunity. Okay. Um, and and my initial re reaction when I first got the phone call was, was no thanks, I'm not interested, mm. honestly. And then I thought about it and I thought, you know, actually this is an amazing group of people. Um, I really liked all the all the people that I'm, and for me that's really you know where it starts and ends almost all the people of M13 are just great people. So Carter and Courtney who founded the fund um, are just incredibly hardworking, extremely smart, great investors, terrific community builders, great leaders. Just had set a really great culture for the for the firm, and also just had a really big vision for what they wanted to build. So that was exciting. And then looking at all the people they brought in around them. Um, you know, Matt Hoffman, the head of talent, I'd gotten to work together with a little bit because we had um, put on an event together featuring Jerry Colonna. So I knew Matt based in New York and Carl Alomar, just everyone who told me about Carl, who's the managing partner there, you know, just said such great things about Carl and what he was like to work with. He had been the COO at DigitalOcean. Yep. Um, and then, of course, they had hired a year earlier my friend um, here in L.A., Lizzie Francis, who was an investor and like longtime executive. And so I knew Lizzie pretty well. Um, already. And I thought, you know, I was just intrigued by, and these people are all extremely different from one another. Totally. So I thought any group that's coming together made up of these people, you know, this is something interesting and I really should learn more about it. Yeah. I mean, uh, big shout out to Carl, also a former mm -hmm. guest on Demo Day, but uh, it definitely feels, or I would imagine it would feel really exciting and different when you've kind of like been at this managing director role, you're almost have like an island where you've worked with the same people, but then to join this new team where like you look around and there's so much diversity and talent and diversity and culture and like being able to be a part of that. I, I remember in talking to Carl, him explaining the way they, um, in the way M13 invests in startups and really mapping out that journey for each of the startups to ensure that you're there to support them at different, you know, stages. And I think that you know, in Techstars, I can imagine it feels like this very short window where you have to pack everything in as quickly as you can. Is that what it feels like to you as well? And how is it different now that you're in a much like longer time frame with investing in bigger companies, let's say? Yeah, that's absolutely right. I mean, I think the motion is is a bit similar in that at Techstars, we're writing a check, a smaller check. Um, but then really working with companies for an intensive 90-day period to help them accelerate. At M13, um, we're writing a check. You know, our relationship with the companies we work with is primarily as their investor. But then we have, an first of all, our entire team is operators. And that goes for both the investing team you know, and our platform team, our propulsion team. So we really have operator DNA. And we are thinking about, on a long-term basis, how do we act as um, 
catalyst supporters, advisors for our companies throughout their journey, you know, over many, many years. And it could look different at different stages. So um, we think about it as in how can we apply our operating knowledge to help them solve at that particular moment in time what they're trying to solve. And I think most venture firms say they do this. I think we've operationalized it in a really interesting and different way in that we have um, five partners who are full-time focused on you know, supporting the portfolio and think, who've all had leading operating roles. Wow. You know, we run it almost, you know, we have a weekly meeting where we discuss how the companies are doing and what challenges they're facing. We brainstorm ways that we can plug in and help and we build programs that come out of those conversations. So for example, um, you know, talent has been a big challenge for companies oh, yeah. um, for, you know, the past little while. Um, and we've actually built some specific programs to address um, talent issues. We're launching a recruiting school. We're actually going to train recruiters as a pilot and put them into our portfolio companies. <laughs> wow. So that's just one example of the type of, um, you know, operating support that we give. We really want it to be hands-on. We really want it to be high impact. I think a lot of the problems that startups uh, run into, like hiring or generating new investor, it, like there's a lot of problems that are very universal to lots of startups. And so if you can take a more operational approach and like build specific content or programs just to solve that problem, that's a really big add value to everyone in your portfolio. Absolutely. Um, you know, so we help one company and then, you know, pattern matching, we're able to kind of translate mm -hmm. what, what we did for that company to the next one. And so, and there's certain verticals and types of problems that come up over and over. So organizational design, recruiting is kind of one bucket, um, go to market growth, very important bucket brand, um, positioning content strategy is another bucket. Data analytics is mm -hmm. a place where we're really high impact. You know, most companies at the series A Stage, they, they're not large enough to have their own data team. Mm -hmm. So we have um, a really talented data partner, Rob Olson, and then a data team that works with Rob that is able to, to go in and evaluate customer data from our portfolio companies and help them see places where they can use data to make better decisions. And that's the kind of thing that can put you on a different trajectory. And if you think about just the value of changing your trajectory just slightly, you know, angling it up a little bit yeah. over time, that's going to have a really big impact on your results. And that's probably partly what's been really fulfilling for you working with early stage, yeah. because like, you, you know, you get to have that impact where you can almost say, like, I remember meeting that company at that point in their journey and look at what happened during that year. And um, do you think that that's what keeps you in the game of investing, just knowing that you are able to consistently play this sort of role with companies along their journey? It is absolutely one of the things that does. I would say one of them is learning. Like I said, I love to learn from founders and see the world through their eyes. And then the real satisfying thing is when I'm able to, um, you know, I'm able to, you know, add value is a trite term, but I'm able to have an impact, you know, for them. Um, and help them on their journey. And what's exciting about being at M13 is it's not about me. You know, I I may have the relationship or be the one directly working with the founders, but it's really the power of the team mm. um, and being part of this team that collectively I'm seeing the impact that we can have on our portfolio. And it's it's exciting. That's super cool. When you think about like the night that you, they reached out to you, like, is there any story or anything you remember about? I, I know you mentioned at the very beginning, you're like, no, I'm good. But what was sort of the like, lay of the land, if if you can remember, that got you to be like, wow, um, outside of, of course, the team, was there any story that you remember that made you want to kind of like make the move? Because being like the managing director at LA, it's like that's 
you're the top of the top. And so this is such a new journey. Do you remember kind of what was going through your head during that time? Yeah, I think it's interesting. I think, you know, at Techstars LA, I was, I did have, you know, a specific position and role like in the community. And so what was it that made me give that up? You know, it was, it was the challenge of learning something new and kind of playing in a bigger field in a way. You know, we're writing bigger checks, we're deploying more capital, we're working with companies at a later stage. And I thought that would be a great challenge. Um, but but like I said, it was honestly about the people. And I said to myself, okay, I know how to do this one thing where I'm running something that's pretty small. It's kind of like being my own boss, kind of running my own thing. Yeah. What is it like when I challenge myself to be one of a team of partners? you know, and to really build something much bigger, but in concert with other people, you know, in cooperation with other people. You know, I've never been so great, honestly, at working inside a hierarchical structured organization. Mm. I was actually once told that I'm a bad employee. <laughs> um, I um, This was when I was at Petstore.com in 1999. And my boss, Jeff, at the time, who was a good friend who had hired me from McKinsey, we had left McKinsey together to go there. And he turned to me and he said, well, you know, you're a terrible employee. And I go, Jeff, what are you talking about? When you tell me to do something and I agree with it, I always do it. <laughs> He's like, agree with it. And he Q. looked at me like, exactly, <laughs> like you're proving my point right now. So like my point being like, I'm really not good at kind of towing the company line and following directions. Yeah. Like I just, I have to be in a place where I can be entrepreneurial and kind of do my own thing and like really have a voice and an impact, right? I'm physically incapable of following direction I don't agree with mm. for better or worse. Yeah. Right. But that means that I'm really values driven. So I thought, like, what does it look like when I go in and mix it up with these other people who may think differently or have different points of view? But we all have the same goal in mind. And that seemed like a really exciting challenge to me. Did you ever have to overcome? It sounds weird because like uh, we all, I feel like, have to almost posture up. But did you ever feel that imposter syndrome of like, OK, I was like doing investing for like very early stage and now I'm talking to like companies that have been a little bit more around the block. Did you have to change or learn different tactics or was there a time when you're like, oh, my gosh, like this is a big jump for me? There was absolutely that time. And I very consciously went into it. And I was I was vocal about it with the team because I wanted to be in a position to be great at leading series A deals. And I recognized when I got there that it was different from working with companies at pre-seed. I recognized it in terms of how I felt about it when you're deploying checks that are eight to 10 million. It's just a different calculus. It's a different decision. But what I did was I went in and put myself in school and I essentially said to the associates, this is going to be painful because you're going to have to train me in the first few deals that we do. <laughs> right. But I'm here to learn from you. Mm. Right. And so have, being able to have that humility is honestly something that I've had to learn. I did not have it maybe like 20 years ago, but now I do. And I know that there's so many things and areas where I feel comfort, comfortable about and confident in that's really okay for me to say in this one thing, I'm a beginner. And how do you become expert at something? You become expert at something by practicing it, mm -hmm. right? By recognizing, you know, it's like I say to my kids, add the word yet. So if my son says like, oh, I'm not good at you know, backhand slice, I'll say yet. Right. And so, you know, I'm not a great, I'm not great at packaging a series, a deal story yet. Right. And then I practiced it. Right. And now I feel like I've practiced it a bunch. I feel, um, like I've got my feet under me and I can, I'm a real contributor, you know, in our, in our IC, but I had to start from the perspective of like, 
yes, I'm a beginner again, just in this one area. Yeah. But like, I always want to be a beginner in something. Totally. If you're not learning something new, I'm learning piano now. I just, and I'm a total beginner and I'm having a great time. Wow. That's, that's really awesome. And, and when, when you think about the differences between seed or even pre-seed and like series A deals, what are the sorts of things that maybe you weren't expecting? Because you oftentimes hear, especially in early stages, like bet the jockey, not the horse. And like, I could imagine that part of your superpower is like getting to know founders and like, they don't have it all figured out, but you can see where they're going. What, what are the differences as you start moving up to like series A that, you know, maybe a, a new VC that's just getting into the game, like they don't know what to expect as they start to move into that, you know, territory. Absolutely. So here's how you break it down. Pre-seed, it's about team and market. So is this an interesting market where we think a big business can be built? And do we believe in this team and their ability to figure it out? Okay. Right. That's kind of the beginning and the end. Then seed is there the beginnings of some validation of customer interest in this early idea of what the product is? Okay. So seed, there's a little bit more of like, we have an idea about what the product is. We've got some early data that customers like the product, right? And, and maybe a sense of how we're going to take it to market. So looking for a story around go-to-market with a specific product. At Series A, you're really looking for evidence that that go-to-market has worked and customer validation in the form of retention engagement in the form of customers actually using the product and some repeatable growth, you know, month over month. So when you're putting together a series A um, story, it's really about looking at the the financial projections the company's put together, looking at things like unit economics, does the business work? And when you build it out and project it out into the future, do we see a multi-billion dollar business being built here? You know, that has strong margins and has all the hallmarks of a healthy business. So a lot more of the work at Series A is really about translating the strategy and the vision into that financial story um, and making sure those two things work together and talk to each other. I was just thinking about how tough it must be with macro like environmental pieces, because like during COVID at the very beginning, it seemed like All the VCs we talked to were like, we are, you know, for the most part, like tightening up. We're getting very conservative. We're trying to figure out like what's going on with our current companies. And then after a couple of months into COVID, it was like, hey, actually things are moving. We're starting to invest again. And then, you know, kind of like moving out of uh, moving out of that environment. You know, now you have like Ukraine and you have like these kind of macro events does it make does it make it harder? Does it, I don't know if that's the right question, but like during when everything's going great, it feels like, oh, great. They have the right story. They have the right traction. But now you have kind of these. Well, what's going to happen eight months from now? Is the economy going to like how does the macro play a role? Yeah, I mean, I think there's perhaps more uncertainty today than maybe um you know, a year ago. Um, but let's say that's that's a psychological effect really more than a real effect. Yeah. Because we are investing for the long term. So if you're able to kind of, that's just noise, right? So if you're able to get rid of the noise and just focus on the fundamentals Mm. of what businesses do we believe in 10 years are going to be a brand name that everyone's going to know, and we keep our eye on that ball, it doesn't really matter what happens in the next year, you know, or two years from a macroeconomic basis, because that story is still out there. So the reason it matters is you need to make sure your companies are well capitalized enough to kind of 
sort things out and navigate, you know, the difficulties in the changing market. Um, but other than that, it shouldn't be impacting, you know, how we invest, right? Or cause people, cause investors to kind of back down because of, you mm -hmm. know, being fear about the short term, because like our time horizon is so long when we're doing these venture deals, you know, but it's an interesting point because you could see how founders navigated, you know, through COVID, right? And that's actually a really interesting signal about how do they handle turbulence? How do they respond to like unexpected changes in the market? And we saw some really interesting situations um, in our portfolio of founders just doing an incredible job and in taking that turbulence and rapidly changing market and turning it into opportunity. Thanks for tuning in to this segment of Demo Day. In the next one, Anna and I delve into the transition that startups needed to make during the turbulence of COVID. I'm Sean Goldbatten, Coefficient Labs. Peace, guys. Mm -hmm.